Section 78 of Reviews by Oscar Wilde. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Carl Manchester, 2007. Reviews by Oscar Wilde. Edited by Robert Ross. Section 78. The New President. Palmar Gazette. January 26, 1889. In a little book that he calls The Enchanted Island, Mr. Wyke Bayliss, the new president of the Royal Society of British Artists, has given his gospel of art to the world. His predecessor in office had also a gospel of art, but it usually took the form of an autobiography. Mr. Whistler always spelt art, and, we believe, still spells it, with a capital I. However, he was never dull, his brilliant wit, his caustic satire, and his amusing epigrams, or, perhaps we should say, epitaphs, on his contemporaries, made his views on art as delightful as they were misleading, and as fascinating as they were unsound. Besides, he introduced American humour into art criticism, and for this, if for no other reason, he deserves to be affectionately remembered. Mr. White Bayliss, upon the other hand, is rather tedious, the last president never said much that was true, but the present president never says anything that is new, and, if art be a fairy-haunted wood or an enchanted island, we must say that we prefer the old Puck to the fresh Prospero. Water is an admirable thing, at least the Greeks said it was, and Mr. Ruskin an admirable writer, but a combination of both is a little depressing. Still, it is only right to add that Mr. Wyke Bayliss, at his best, writes very good English. Mr. Whistler, for some reason or other, always adopted the phraseology of the minor prophets. Possibly, it was in order to emphasise his well-known claims to verbal inspiration, or perhaps he thought with Voltaire that Abacouc était coupable de tout, and wished to shelter himself under the shield of a definitely irresponsible writer, none of whose prophecies, according to the French philosopher, has ever been fulfilled. The idea was clever enough at the beginning, but ultimately the manner became monotonous. The spirit of the Hebrews is excellent, but their mode of writing is not to be imitated, and no amount of American jokes will give it that modernity which is essential to a good literary style. Admirable as are Mr. Whistler's fireworks on canvas, his fireworks in prose are abrupt, violent and exaggerated, However, oracles, since the day of the Pythia, have never been remarkable for style, and the modest Mr. Wyke Bayliss is as much Mr. Whistler's superior as a writer as he is his inferior as a painter and an artist. Indeed, some of the passages in this book are so charmingly written, and with such felicity of phrase, that we cannot help feeling that the President of the British Artists, like a still more famous President of our day, can express himself far better through the medium of literature than he can through the medium of line and colour. This, however, applies only to Mr. Wyke Bayliss's prose. His poetry is very bad, and the sonnets at the end of the book are almost as mediocre as the drawings that accompany them. As we read them, we cannot but regret that, in this point at any rate, Mr. Bayliss has not imitated the wise example of his predecessor who, with all his faults, was never guilty of writing a line of poetry, and is, indeed, quite incapable of doing anything of the kind. As for the matter of Mr. Bayliss's discourses, his views on art must be admitted to be very commonplace and old-fashioned. 
What is the use of telling artists that they should try and paint nature as she really is? What nature really is, is a question for metaphysics, not for art. Art deals with appearances, and the eye of the man who looks at nature, the vision, in fact, of an artist, is far more important to us than what he looks at. There is more truth in Corot's aphorism that landscape is simply the mood of man's mind than there is in all Mr. Bayliss's laborious disquisitions on naturalism. Again, why does Mr. Bayliss waste a whole chapter in pointing out real or supposed resemblances between a book of his, published twelve years ago, and an article by Mr. Palgrave, which appeared recently in the nineteenth century? Neither the book nor the article contains anything of real interest, and as for the hundred or more parallel passages which Mr. White Bayliss solemnly prints side by side, most of them are like parallel lines and never meet. The only original proposal that Mr. Bayliss has to offer us is that the House of Commons should, every year, select some important event from national and contemporary history, and hand it over to the artists who are to choose from among themselves a man to make a picture of it. In this way, Mr. Bayliss believes that we could have the historic art, and suggests, as examples of what he means, a picture of Florence Nightingale in the hospital at Scutari, a picture of the opening of the first London board school, and a picture of the Senate House at Cambridge, with the girl graduate receiving a degree, quote, that she'll acknowledge her to be as wise as Merlin himself, and leave her still as beautiful as Vivian, end quote. This proposal is, of course, very well meant, but to say nothing of the danger of leaving historic art at the mercy of a majority in the House of Commons, who would naturally vote for its own view of things, Mr. Bayliss does not seem to realise that a great event is not necessarily a pictorial event. The decisive events of the world, as has been well said, take place in the intellect. And as for board schools, academic ceremonies, hospital wards and the like, they may well be left to the artists of the illustrated papers, who do them admirably and quite as well as they need to be done. Indeed, the pictures of contemporary events, royal marriages, naval reviews, and things of this kind that appear in the Academy every year, are always extremely bad, while the very same subjects, treated in black and white in the graphic or the London news, are excellent. Besides, if we want to understand the history of a nation through the medium of art, it is to the imaginative and ideal arts that we have to go, and not to the arts that are definitely imitative. The visible aspect of life no longer contains for us the secret of life's spirit. Probably it never did contain it. And if Mr. Barker's Waterloo Banquet and Mr. Frith's Marriage of the Prince of Wales are examples of healthy historic art, the less we have of such art, the better. However, Mr. Bayliss is full of the most ardent faith and speaks quite gravely of genuine portraits of St. John, St. Peter and St. Paul dating from the first century, and of the establishment by the Israelites of a school of art in the wilderness under the now little appreciated Bezaleel. He is a pleasant, picturesque writer, but he should not speak about art. Art is a sealed book to him. The Enchanted Island by Wyke Bayliss, FSA, President of the Royal Society of British Artists, Allen & Co. End of section 78